Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Post Post Podcast. I'm your host, David Gidali, and this is episode 16. And I know, I'm sorry, it's been a long time since the last episode. Usually I try to roll these out once every two weeks, and it's been a few months. I know, I apologize, but I think I have a good excuse. Had a few life events, nothing too major. Got a baby on the way, got married, not in that order necessarily. Went on a long trip abroad, and I'm... I got a house, which I'm renovating and about to go into. Um, so hopefully that's a good enough excuse. The good news is that I got all these things out of the way pretty much at once. So now that most of these things are over, I think I can focus back on the podcast and uh, get you new episodes uh, more frequently. Back to this episode, episode 16. I'm very happy and honored to have Sasha Vinogradova in this episode. She's a senior designer at The Mill. Her work is, is everywhere. She's worked on uh, billboard campaigns for shows like Game of Thrones and Narcos and The Crown. More recently, she's done opening titles for the third season of True Detective. She's recently produced and art directed and did visual effects for a short film called Nothing Like Loneliness, which premiered in South by Southwest and just screened also in uh, Dances with Film Festivals and is about to screen in Palm Springs. And there's a lot in this episode for you to chew on. She has an incredible origin story. Her and I go a long way back. We work together on a few projects, and this episode is very conversational. She also asked me a few things about how I did my short, so it was very back and forth. And uh, I highly recommend this episode. It's really great. I also recommend you guys, if you haven't listened to my last episode with Tyson Ibel, uh, to check it out. Tyson uh, released his uh, incredible particle simulation tool, TyFlow, two weeks after I released the episode. And it's been trending a lot, especially in the 3D Studio Max world online. It's a great opportunity to go back and listen to his episode as well, as well as all the other episodes before that. So now that we know what this episode is about and who we're talking to, I'll just go right into it. And without further ado, I'll give you episode 16 of the Post Post Podcast. to hear uh, about you because last time we saw each other uh, it was your screening and now uh, I follow your success on Instagrams and stuff and it seems like you guys were showing in like a museum and then yeah we were showing a bunch at the of flux, interviews at the flux screening uh, series at the hammer museum which you actually I didn't even know it existed until uh, the person who runs it, uh, Jonathan, reached out to us. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. It was uh, a week ago, and <clears throat> did you go? No, you didn't go, right? No, no. I just yeah. saw it. I saw the post. So, uh, how did it go? Uh, it was, it went great. It was so much fun uh, to see the film with uh, like uh, an unbiased audience. You know, because the first mm-hmm. the first two screenings. We're all with like friends and family yeah. and things like that. But this is the first time we just kind of, you know, we saw real people's reaction and it was a big, big like crowd. It was, they had a big theater there, I think maybe 500 or maybe or more seats or something. So, wow, nice. 
Yeah, yeah. And it was very well received. Like the audience seemed to enjoy it and other I mean, shorts. It was an entertaining movie <laughs> by itself. And then you also like, what's happening? Wow. Yeah, I know. I, I kind of wanted it to be that way. And I suspected it it would come out this way. If 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 I would have done my job properly, I, I kind of felt from the get-go that this would be, you know, both it could be an entertaining film and also very um you know, I like, mean, like yeah, also surprise. Surprise, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. It's like because um, when I saw when I saw the first deep fakes uh about a year and a half ago, or yeah, some more than actually No, just about a year ago, actually. It was like January, I think, of last year of twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um I just remember seeing you know, it's like my your brain sees something that you never th- expected to see kind of like yeah. how I felt when I saw Jurassic Park for the first time, <laughs> not to compare, you know, not to compare it to other things, but like, it's more than just, Oh, that's cool. Visual effects. It's like, Oh, I didn't expect that. Like I didn't yeah. think I was going to see that maybe ever in my life, you know, uh-huh. something so realistic. It's like, you know, you know about the uncanny Valley and like the, the whole, um, holy grail of trying to create cg humans that move properly and don't freak you out and stuff and um and this is a very big step towards that in a way i think Um, yeah for sure so what's next for you guys (laughs) i feel like you're doing the podcast well i'm just curious (laughs) (laughs) um we hope uh, to get into a bunch of festivals and do more screenings like we did. We already got into, uh, actually, I'm not supposed to say, but. You can cut it out. Yeah, I'll cut it out. We got into the, uh, Sci-Fi London Festival. It's just the only reason I'm not supposed to say is because they haven't uh, announced it yet. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's going to be in May in London. Mm -hmm. Hopefully we'll get there. We'll We'll get together. Nice. And, that will uh, be so cool to actually like to go to the movie fest- festival, but also like a uh, foreign one. So yeah, that should be super fun. I know it's so weird because I'm like, I, I was already at a place in my life where I was over festivals kind of, <laughs> I got, cause I've done a few shorts, you know, I did f- uh, my thesis film Europa and some other things. And um, I kind of got disappointed by the whole, you know, the whole kind of, process of applying and getting rejected and i didn't you know i didn't expect to get accepted with europa with my thesis film because i don't think it's that great Mm -hmm. um but it was still kind of like just being through the process of applying and getting rejections and and getting accepted but to but these weird festivals that weren't really a lot of fun and stuff it kind of like made me a little bit despise festivals i see (laughs) and so Uh, that was my my attitude when I, when I made this short, I was like, I don't care about festivals. I'm going to release it online immediately. I'm not even going to try. I think, uh, I think it was a good approach from the beginning. And you know, it's, uh, right now you, you are so, um, you already like broke so many rules with this short that I feel like it doesn't matter that you already like, uh, <laughs> posted it online uh, for the festivals, you know? So I think, I think it's the right approach. And also, I feel like so many things happens when you actually like give up on them. <laughs> it's true. It's a good. It's a good point. 
How do you feel? Do you did you ever feel that way that you know you gave up on something and suddenly you know it came out of nowhere? Uh, yeah, yeah, and it's like you know, I know just you need to like make a wish, like make a wish in your head uh, that I want to be this or I want to do this. Oh, blah 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 blah. And uh, as soon as you like stop caring about it, it kind of <laughs> comes your way. But uh, sometimes it's just hard to stop caring about it. But I don't know. It's just all weird jinxing. Maybe it's not true. So whatever. On the other hand, I feel like when you really believe in something and uh, work really hard for it, you always get it. But I feel like with those weird things like festivals. Yeah. But actually, you know, I was meaning to tell you that uh, I... Uh, worked on my first ever movie as a producer, production designer, and VFX artist. And, um, like, with my boyfriend, and uh, he actually directed it, and uh, we shot a short, and it got to South by Southwest. Wow. Okay, yeah, yeah I remember you telling me about it. I didn't realize it got it to South by Southwest. That's so cool. So yeah. what can you tell me about this short, and, and when is it going to be, uh, able, when are we going to be able to see it? I guess South uh, by Southwest, but like before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know really because I think I was planning to like keep um, the festival run going. Uh, we had like a bunch of other um, uh, festivals coming. Uh, probably like actually Trebekah uh, contacted us after this and we're like, are you guys still world, world premiere? We're like, no. And they're like, no. We're like, yeah. okay. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I don't think it will be soon when you can actually see it online. I can send you the password link, so just don't share it <laughs> so with anyone. <laughs> what can you tell? What can you tell uh, me and uh, the listeners about your short that's going to come out? Uh, well, um, so I obviously work, I'm a graphic designer and I uh, work on a bunch of VFX occasionally. Uh, my boyfriend, like his full-time job is a camera operator, but uh, he actually has a master's in directing. So mm. we were like, okay, we've got to make a movie. We've got to make a movie together because, I mean, look at what we do. Uh, and, uh, where, where did he go to school? Sorry for that. Uh, I, I, think it's, I, I think it's FSU. FSU? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm not 100% sure, but I think it is because I'm very not familiar much with all the local American schools. Because, you I think know, I had I, another guest here who was an FSU uh, graduate. I think Wes Ball went to FSU. Probably. Uh, yeah, he also, he's also he studied directing. He's directing, uh, he directed The Maze Runner and now he's directing The Mouse Guard. So oh, wow. He's doing, doing pretty well as a director now, but he, he also like was director, visual effects artist, everything all together. Yeah, um, I remember, uh, like, he, I think his story was that he did this amazing short, yes, with a motorcycle. Right. Um, did you see it? Yeah. yeah, I have seen it. I got very impressed back, at, like, a couple years ago when I saw it. I was like, what? No right. wonder he's directing the full full feature <laughs> with skills yeah. like this. Exactly. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I wanted to, like, I know you were in the middle of talk of. Uh, telling me it's about okay. the, the short film, but I'll kind of digest just a second because I know people are going to be like, oh, who's, who are we talking to now? Um, so um, you are a graphic designer and a, and a concept artist, right, for, uh, I guess, key art creator? 
I mean, that's uh, what I know you as from in company and now at the mill, yeah, right? Yeah, so actually I used to do key art for uh, movies and TV shows, but uh, now I'm, uh, I work in the mill and uh, yeah. I'm a senior designer there. I mostly do frames, concepts, uh, concept art. Sometimes uh, like we do an actual production where, you know, I do modeling, texturing, look developing. Uh, so mm. I, so I, what's the difference between key art and concept design? Not really much. <laughs> <laughs> the format, vertical or horizontal. Really? And also, I, yes, like it depends. <laughs> so check this out. Uh, as a designer, I have very, very various tasks. Uh, so for example, it could be that client, um, we often work with agencies because Meal is a production company. So right. sometimes agency comes to us and being like, so guys, we have this idea. Uh, we want to pitch it to the client, but we need frames. And you're like, okay, so tell us about it. And you as a designer just uh, make frames. And sometimes it's just not a storyboard. Um, like there is actual storyboard artist who actually does like, you know, black and white right. sketch storyboards. This is more like a style frame. So it, it's still a story, but already with a certain look dev. So he, right. the client has the better feeling of what he's signing for. Um, so when it's just a pitch stage, you can do whatever you can really like this is like a key art even better because because it's just a concept it's not going into any production yet nobody really will see it except like a client so you can right. do whatever you can photobash you can just model you can really really do whatever uh and in result you the main thing the picture you do sh should be as beautiful as possible and sell ideas as good right. as possible. But sometimes um, we actually have uh, already um, more developed ideas coming. Uh, and sometimes there's no idea. Sometimes there's just a general direction that like, uh, like okay, we have this particular brief. We're looking for something like dark and uh, colorful. And uh, this is the theme, go. And you just starting with just really pitching your own ideas, which is the most fun, I feel like. Um, and you're talking now about your work at the mill as a concept yeah, artist. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, I sometimes concept art, but I'm mostly doing frames, which sometimes you can consider it concept art. Sometimes I'm, I, I do just concept art, like seriously. Sometimes it's like, oh, there's this, I don't know, magical bird in the movie. Can you make a concept art of it? Sometimes this kind of stuff happening. So it's just pure concept art. But most of the time I'm doing it actually like with... Uh, as a frame with a full development, not just right. a certain uh, part of the story, but actual like frame, how it would look, or at least a feeling how it will look as a final product. Kind of like uh, look development, but er earlier than the yeah yeah, because you're not guess, you're not limited to like the the software or whatever the, the pipeline. Yeah yeah. Um, so, but sometimes, uh, for example, uh, clients come in already uh, with a strong understanding that we're going to produce it. So we don't have to, like, when it's already not a pitch, when we know that we're going to, when we have to produce it, when we have to develop it and do it ourselves, then uh, uh, I already 
not as limitless in my resources in terms of I have to think how we're going to produce it. So when right. I actually uh, do those frames, I'm talking to animators about like, so how are you thinking we should approach it? Should we use uh, 3D here, like 3D mapping and illustration? And um, depending sure. on our resources, I'm kind of making the frame. And sometimes right. uh, uh, when uh, we go in like a 3D uh, style, I also sometimes model knowing that, okay, I'm using it here just for frames, but it's also going to be used later uh, with animation. So uh, sometimes it goes into actual like a production phase. With Is that what happened in your latest uh, kind of Sony commercial that yeah, uh, yeah, you posted yeah. online? Yeah, that was a fun one because w this was a full... Um, the project I worked on from the very beginning, from like a concept phase where it actually was my idea, which client picked with a pinball. And oh, just nice. yeah, that was super cool. And um, generally also um, having this with uh, with this vintage uh, look, like uh, older. Right. Um, uh, something almost look. like porcelain feel or something like yeah. that. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. And so you uh, also get to pitch ideas, I guess, uh, that, that yeah. you know, I'm getting at here. Yeah. So yeah. it's not just, uh, hey, we have this concept and do this. It's like just general, what, what do you, how would you sell this? Or what we're trying to get this uh, message across, but we don't really know what, how to and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes I also have to, like when it goes to the, lots of, um, TV shows so when they come with their uh, like a promo packages, we do lots of those. Uh, that's where you mostly have to pitch your own idea, and then you make a frames for your idea, and then you actually have to write down your idea for the presentation. And obviously, there are people who double check that your writing is good and everything. But I actually really enjoy that part that you are, um, uh, you know, have freedom really to develop it from the beginning to the end, to the to the end, to the final presentation for the client. But yeah, with the Sony, it actually was uh, very, very cool uh, because um, I don't know if you know, but Meal has like two parts of it. It's Meal Plus and Meal, just Meal. So Meal Plus handling all the design parts, all the yeah. design jobs, and regular Meal handling all the uh, heavy VFX, lifting, uh, Houdini, matte painting. Oh, all I didn't those, know that. Like, yeah. No, so that's that's the approach. Like, for example, if there is a movie title coming, uh, then uh, most likely Mil Plus is going to handle it because it's a design-orientated job. Right. Uh, but if, like, there is some uh, crazy commercial with, I don't know, elephants running through the Africa, that will be a meal's job. Mm -hmm. so, right, so, that's uh, more visual effects centered, more heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes yeah. we really like work. We, it's obviously, it's not two separate companies. It's still the same company. So we often work together. Well, when, for example, Meal Plus handles first part of the concepting and then it comes, it goes to, just bigger meal to be produced. But what right. I really liked about Sony job, it's all never left meal plus because sometimes I would make frames and then 
I'm uh, out of the loop in terms of the production because it goes to bigger meal. And I mean, there's some awesome, awesome, talented people there. Meal, I think, got a production company of the year this year. Uh, wow, so I didn't know that. For a reason, yeah. Uh, and uh, That's cool. But in, yeah, I know. It's kind of, I really, really like working in the meal because it's like, you know that <laughs> there's like, every time you have a question of some sort of concern or problem there you know that some someone in this office know how to solve it you just need to find that person <laughs> that sounds great i mean i remember you saying also you liked and company when you used to work there it was really hard oh for yeah you, yeah i think and yeah seems like yeah. you had a pretty pretty lucky strike in you know or lucky streak of of uh of jobs uh, since you I know. got here to LA. Yeah. And I, I wanted to about... go, I, I wanted to, to kind of to go back to like a bit of your origins. Cause I, I really like your origin story and I'm sure you've said that you've told that story many, many, many times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so because it's kind of like a Cinderella story. story a yeah. Bit. But it's funny you mentioned West Ball because that's also like what made me want to make this podcast to begin with was actually stories like West Ball story. Uh, that I've been always inspired by, like as a, as a director yeah. who wanted to kind of, you know, break into Hollywood and, you know, do that, you know, shortcut Cinderella story. Well, I was just saying I have to kill Buck here. <laughs> wow. Sometimes I have fruit flies here in this place, but I'm moving out soon. So it's okay. Um, I still, I still in, um, Silver Lake. No, I'm in Atwater now. Um, mm. But also, like I've been here for a year now and stuff, but that's temporary. I'm I'm, I'm about to gotcha. move into a house that Do I'm buying now. In the process of buying a house. Oh wow! Yeah, that'll be fun. Oh. Yeah. This is awesome. Congrats! This is like uh, my dream one day, but not now. But eventually. <laughs> well, you know, I don't awesome. know if I'm if I'm if I'm doing the, a smart move by moving to a house right now because like financially I still feel like, you know, I, I could probably save a bit more before I take that plunge and, you know, get into that debt. But, uh, <laughs> but it's like, you know, that's just life sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. You I have feel to, like if it, yeah, you have to, uh, do some brave decisions. Yeah. Leap of faith. Like, yes, I don't know if I can exactly. afford it, but I'll go for it. And worst case, uh, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll find out, you know, what happens. Um, yeah, but that's exactly sure like, you know, great. the story, the story of like, uh, of people like West Ball. I think your story is kind of like the parallel from the, from, from the, from your, your vantage point, like the, as an art director, someone who, or and not art director, like, you know, uh, a concept artist, key artist, uh, um, your 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 story of how you broke into the industry here is is just is about the same i guess the a same level of remarkability uh, i think <laughs> i i guess a little bit different scale than uh in france but uh i mean changed my life <laughs> so yeah but but the story is pretty much um so i'm originally Russian. I moved here six years ago. Um, so I used to work as a web designer in Moscow and I liked my job. I always liked my job, <laughs> but uh, I always liked 3D 
and uh, you know, being a web designer, uh, sometimes it's a great job, but you kind of sometimes artistically not fully fulfilled. So I always been doing some personal projects on site, and um, and as a, as a web designer, were you also like uh, coding, like HTML stuff, or were you mostly no, just no, designing? Just just again, just frames. <laughs> Frames, okay, design. So someone yeah. else was in charge of like putting it, turning it into an actual like yeah, uh, yeah, interactive yeah. Site. But yeah. but it's still lots of work in terms of you need to think about uh, UI, uh, like um, design in terms of picking the right the right types and just yeah. uh, site making sites is uh, it's it's a craft and uh, I admire people who can do it very well. Um, but I wouldn't say it was, I mean, it was very entertaining and what's good, it doesn't, uh, take too much energy out of you. So you still have some artistic energy left to do stuff after, after that. But so the point is, uh, uh, so I'm back in Moscow doing web design and, um, I saw first season of Game of Thrones and, that just blew my mind how awesome it was because I used to be a, well, not used to be still as a huge uh, uh, Lord of the Rings uh, fan. And I felt right. like for the longest time, nothing really uh, happened on TV uh, with like the same quality and like fantasy, uh, not being just the rainbows and unicorns, but actually something which felt real. So, was that during so, the actual, was that a real time when the first season of Game of Thrones came out or did, were you like late to the vet, to the wagon? Like I was, I, no, I only it's, saw, it's, yeah. <laughs> no, I actually saw the first season and a uh, second season didn't come out yet. But so I saw the first season and I was like, oh my God, this is the best show ever. <laughs> so, um, uh, and I did a fan art on, uh, fan art on this uh, show with, First, it was just a metal um, metal sigil of uh, Starks, just a wallpaper with a metal wolf on um, on the back, black background. I posted it online, and people were like, "Whoa, do more, do more, do more!" So I ended up doing like nine houses, uh, nine main houses. Actually, there are seven main houses, but I did nine. Uh, really? And uh, I mean, there's more than seven houses. Obviously, there there are seven main houses. Oh, I didn't realize there was like oh in in the show itself. And when you say people online yeah. to, said do more, do more, like where was it on Behance or on, on specific? Oh no, it was like I posted it on DeviantArt. I like I have this uh, very weird. So I have all this like high end portfolios, you know, like I have yeah. my portfolio on Behance, on my Instagram, on my art station. That's like portfolio I care about. I'm like maintaining it well in very good condition, and also I have my DeviantArt portfolio. <laughs> <laughs> and that's I the one like, that you don't really expect. Yeah, this. The, I, but actually, there are a bunch of pleasant surprises from there. But so I upload stuff there. Just uh, I realized uh, you can upload really big image, and it still will stay the same way. So if you like uploaded 4K image, it still will be 4K image later on. So mm. I just you, you know it's just like my for grabs uh, portfolio sort of thing. Where I'm like, yeah, oh, I need a big file of this. Right. Um, so I uploaded it there. And people were like, whoa, do more, do more. So I did on 
like I did nine. Then I put it nicely, like uh, in, on Behance, um, with some like work in progress files, and the project went viral. It was just crazy. I like I never expected so much uh, attention ever. It was so groundbreaking. People were just crazy about it. What does and viral mean in terms of like numbers in in that world of, of you know graphic design? Well, let's check. So I'm going on my Behance right now, and uh, this project right now has 12,000 likes and uh, almost 180,000 views. Wow. Jeez, that's a lot. 180,000 yes. views. Not bad. And it's just and it's just Behance. Like we're also talking about DeviantArt, and I saw so many Reddit threads about th- 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 threads threads yeah, about threads. it. So, um, and I had so many times when some of my friend would send me a picture of some like mug or dress or like book cover or something with my art, just constantly being stolen. But oh, also, no. it's something like. Yeah, but also it's something I can't really be like, oh, you stole my art. Well, it's not like my art. Uh, well, it's my art, but it's also, you know, it's Game of Thrones art. And I uh, I still took an actual, like, uh, flat designs of the houses and I just turned them in 3D. So it's not originally my design. So mm. I was like, oh, okay, knock yourself out, guys. <laughs> uh, did you ever look into like the legality of doing that before you did it or you, you never thought you would have to like worry about well, well i never i never actually um did any commercial uh like profit out of it i never yeah. sell it i did just you know you just uh, there's so much fun art on internet happening when someone just likes the show and does some like i don't know portrait of the uh like main uh, actress or whatever whatever and this was yeah. kind of the same deal it's just uh so just what happened when it got uh, when it got viral what was the yeah so what was the immediate uh, I, what was I, the immediate effect of that and what was like the ultimate effect of that i'm curious well immediate effect was just lots of exposure everywhere and uh, lots of what, that's what I said, that people started sending me those uh, images of people just using it left and right. And uh, like I, I, I still see it everywhere. Uh, but um, also a couple months after that, I got this email from uh, LA from a guy named Sean from N Company. And they were like, hey, so we're working on the a new season of uh, Game of Thrones Key Art. Would you like to join us working on it? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I was like, wait, wait, what? What? Are you are, are you for sure? Serious? He's like, yeah. What's your daily rate? I was like, I'll do it for free. <laughs> he was like, no, no, nah, everyone, we have to pay you. <laughs> so uh, I got a very good money, especially being back in Moscow. I still had my full-time job as a web designer. And uh uh, freelancing for end company uh, and uh, working on like Game of Thrones key arts. It was awesome. And, that is crazy. Uh, then, I know. And then after like a year working with them on the different stuff, uh, one of the their creative directors was like, "Have you ever considered about moving to US?" 
And I remember at the time I was thinking about uh, actually buying an apartment in Moscow. And I was like, oh, should, same deal as you. Like, should I go for it? Shouldn't I go for it? Mm. I was like, no, I'm good. And then in <laughs> two weeks I was like, well, what am I losing? So, and said yes. And they made me all the papers. Visa oh, so your initial, and- your initial response was no, I, I'll stay in Moscow and keep. Uh- yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't. I didn't realize that. And why? Why do yeah, you think it, that was? What was the consider? What was the? Why did you say no originally? It just sounded so like surreal, and I just never even thought about it. It's like I, I, my brain never went, went in that direction. That like I would move somewhere. And what's interesting, interesting yeah. after I actually accepted their offer, and they were in the process of making me a. a uh, visa uh, I actually got an offer from a Denmark company about moving to Denmark and they actually offered position as a web designer and I was like hmm that's this alternative universe where I live in Denmark and still do web design <laughs> wow or yeah. you could have probably stayed in Moscow I guess the the question is coming from the the, the notion that you could still be have been working on game of on things like game of thrones or the things you're doing now potentially but still but living in moscow on a much i guess i don't know i'm assuming a less expensive city where that's you know the rate would yeah yeah um i mean i still like you know when sometimes sometimes i still just dreaming about it like when things sometimes do not go as well or something or it's just like I'm sad about something like it's okay I'll just can go most to Russia work on all the pro- comp- like projects I work right now freelance then just be comfortable and never think about money ever again <laughs> <laughs> but obviously I uh, maybe at some point I will do that but what I really do like about LA is first of all obviously weather weather is amazing beautiful and just you know magical right. and uh sec- secondary it's like not secondary it's actually main reason why i like it you really feel like you're in the center center of the universe like you know sometimes be like i remember being in russia you always think about like oh it's okay there is always someone like some place somewhere where people do better than you or people think more like uh, you know ahead of you yeah and- yeah because you because you're so far away and you're you're not exposed to you, yeah. you know the, the distance makes it feel almost unreal like yeah it's a different and, universe and- and here you really feel like and it was in the center of everything plus i feel like one of the biggest keys to a personal uh developer personal development as an artist is actually hang out and work with the people who are more talented than you or more uh, and have more experience than you and i I really do have it here so i i think it's so so important so, i see i don't know but that's Maybe something that's point. kind of uh it's it's funny because it's an interesting observation that you might not have been able to make from out there you know like if you because working from afar you obviously would have had the uh advantage of of still 
living life at uh, at Russian kind of costs, which are not as high as LA, and you'd probably be able to afford more with the, the same amount of money that you would be making. But then yeah. you wouldn't be exposed to the same people and be able to hang out with them and collaborate with them on other things and do side projects and after hours projects and go to uh, and do Adobe Live. Uh, oh, yeah, that was super cool. Have you seen it? I actually watched it uh, not long ago. So that was like, what, about a week ago, right? Yeah, I uh, yeah, actually, it was a week ago. Uh, yeah. So uh, which day did you watch I start. I watched the first one, and I started watching the second one uh, as well. I kind of skimmed through because they were very long. They're like an hour and a half each, right? Two hours each, yeah. Two hours, yeah. It was very interesting, too, because um, what happened pretty much, um, Adobe contacted me about this Adobe Live thing. Uh, pretty much, uh, it's like a web show on Behance. Uh, part of Adobe, where they invite different artists every week, and uh, that artist is supposed to show uh, her his work and process and just techniques, pretty much like a, a tutorial sort of thing. Right. Um, so it's three days, two hours each day, so six hours each, and um, uh, so I. Been, I, I did three posters for um, every day each and was shown, was trying to show different techniques. And uh, I was really impressed with how much people were into Photoshop. I really felt like a superstar with my Photoshop skills. I was like, wow. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't no, know I was, it exists. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta say I was, uh, I was impressed too. It was just, just from like, you know, skimming through and watching like a random, you know, snippet. I was like, I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know that you can do this. I didn't know you can copy like a mask and copy and, and paste it into a normal layer. I didn't know you can hold space bar and like when you create a, a shape and, and keep moving it while it's uh, like... Wow, you really watched it. <laughs> I, feel, well, I, I, I feel really good now. <laughs> no, but that's, uh, that's amazing. I mean, that, that also shows, I think, I wonder if you had the same level or the same in-depth knowledge of Photoshop when you were... Uh, more by yourself, like when you're working in Moscow. Are those things that you no, picked no, up no, on no, when no. you were... I I didn't use masks when I was in Photoshop uh, in uh, Moscow. So really, I, I I knew nothing about many things when I was back in Moscow. Oh, okay. And also doing doing web design, sometimes you use completely different um, tools. Design tools. Right. So yeah, but uh, I learned I learned most of my not most of, yeah, majority of my Photoshop knowledge in, and company. And for the last three years working in the meal, it was amazing, amazing experience in terms of learning uh, because I learned so much. It's crazy. It's nonstop learning. I switched from 3ds Max to Cinema 4D, from V-Ray to Arnold, uh, like, picked up the brush pretty well uh, using like substance painter uh, learning a little bit of Houdini which is a story of its own it's like takes you need a full dedication to really learn it right and, so uh, so tell me a little bit about learning those tools I mean are these things that you you do on your spare time while you know after hours or do they let you kind of experiment with those programs during your day at the mill uh, both actually. Sometimes uh, I really like meal because 
our timing is not crazy. It's like the only, f- it's the first place ever where I never double booked. So wow. it's never like, oh, yeah, it's always just this one project you're working on. You can totally concentrate on it. And uh, I leave at six most of the time. Well, t- tonight it was 6.15, I guess. And then I had troubles getting Uber. But uh, but uh, it's, they're really good about timing, uh, time and uh, time management. And uh, plus they have you all arrive? the software. Uh, uh, 9.30 probably. Okay. So from 9.30 to 6. Uh, but yeah, uh, they also have all the software and they also have... So first of all, uh, they have classes. They have Houdini classes twice a week, which I'm not... Uh, sometimes I may be too lazy because I'm not doing it always, right. but I'm trying to. Uh, and um, because they have all this software, you're kind of like, wow, okay, I'll, it's here. I'll just open it and play with it. And then you watch tutorial and then you just kind of got lost there. And plus, because the um, variety of tasks is so wide, you need to, it really helps. It's, I, I feel like being a frame designer, you really need to know all the possible shortcuts in terms of like, oh, if I use this software here, it will make my life much, much easier. Or if like, I, uh, you also need to know all your models, all, all your libraries very well. Like, so uh, what you can grab from where to make it like as fast as, as, high, as high quality as possible. Uh, and plus, you know, about learning software, uh, to me, it really hurts when I don't know something or I see that someone, uh, like, for example, someone knows Substance Painter and I don't, right. and I see that the quality of their work is better than mine. So I like, okay, I need to pick it up. And in the middle, you really can see it. So you exposed to the quality and you're like okay what should i do in order to get there do you ever so, get to do actual animations or like preview animations for any purposes or is it always just like kind of focusing yeah, on the r- rarely sometimes i do and uh they totally fine with like if i want to do that but i personally just do not enjoy it as much as actually making steals hmm. uh, or i really like rendering i really like sit- sitting there like Arnold material uh, editor is amazing. I love just get lost there, you know, with like, oh, if I will take this P point and will multiply it with red and then, you know, put in gradient and then, Hmm. I don't know, take a curvature and put some noise in the curvature radius and then you get this and this and this and I can really get lost there. I like it very much. And I like that actually this model with the material will be uh, used in the end in the final product and it makes me like I like making concepts because you know you shape the general look of the piece but uh, I really like doing those tactile renders and models because then it's actually there it's actually in this final product how do you can you trace back like what what made you kind of um get into 
digital art as opposed to oh, like, yeah. traditional art? What, what, what was the, the transition like? Or was um, there a transition at all? I don't know. I always... I, so, as a kid, I uh, loved art always, 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 always. I've been going to the art school, like after regular school, art school, since I was six years old. Wow. Um, yeah. So I remember also, I knew I like art. I knew that. And uh, I knew I wanted to learn it. And I remember I dragged my mom once when I was very little, like five years old, to that art school. And they're like, well, we take kids just from eight years old. <laughs> oh my god bummer oh. and then next next year i dragged my mom there again they were like okay we will take you it's fine so <laughs> uh and i always loved it but you know i couldn't get rid of the stereotype that uh being an artist is a poor existence and uh i like i always wanted to be independent and uh just to like make my own living and I obviously never wanted to be poor, right. so I I kind of always thought that it's okay. I'm not like I love it, but I'll leave it as my hobby. I'm not like the traditional art. How did your How did also, your parents uh, treat that? Like, as uh, were your parents artists as well, or no? My my mom is attorney. My dad is an oilman. I wow. as a kid, uh, yeah, Very I different. was like, I know, and it's partly, I uh, I think. Partly because of that, my mom is attorney, but she doesn't like her job. She's mm. like, this is like, I'm, reg- I'm I'm not going to change it now because it's comfortable. I know what I'm doing. I'm good at it. But if I would have to like relieve my life, I would pick a different profession. And she always told me and my sister, like, pick something you like. You'll, you'll spend half of your life doing it. So, oh, yeah. I mean, if, yeah. if you, yeah, you're right. Yeah, so uh, they actually were very, very supportive on whatever whatever me or my sister wanted to do. Uh, and uh, my dad's only concern was like, do whatever, just get a bachelor degree. Don't care what you're going to do. Bachelor degree is what you have to do for me. Uh, so uh, That's like how yeah, my mom, my mom a, was exactly the same way, by the way. Like, you got to... Doesn't matter what you want to do. You got to have a degree because that's, you know, the diploma says everything. So I didn't actually end up getting a bachelor's degree, by the way, but I, I guess you have. Uh, I do. I have an engineer degree. <laughs> wow. uh, I know. It's like so funny because in Russia, like being an engineer is very common. It's just like, yeah, sure. I'm an engineer. <laughs> and here, every time I say I'm an in, in engineer, people are like, wow. Yeah. Like, yeah. But, you know, I am from my hometown uh, is famous because of the Kalashnikov, you know, the AK-47 inventor. Yeah. Yes. So he's, uh, he, he's actually not from there, but he, uh, lived most of his life there. So it's like everywhere is Kalashnikov, Kalashnikov, Kalashnikov. And even my university is named, uh, what do you say? Like it's university, of Kalashnikov. <laughs> really? That's a funny I thing know, to have yes. your town be known for. It's like... Uh, I know. <laughs> Kalashnikov. Yep. It's like yep. The, American, yep. the Americans have cult, right? I think the cult is uh, is the main uh, 
like a, a big uh, famous American gum manufacturer, which actually started, I think, as a toy company, I, ironically. I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah. yeah wow. But yeah, uh, I, I, I don't know why. Oh, yeah. So uh, coming back to the digital art. Right. Um, I used to be really into video games. I loved video games. And it mesmerized me so much. And I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. I want to do video games. And okay, so what should I learn in order to do video games? And uh, back then, uh, there was this weird 3DS, Ma 3DS Max disc, like a CD. Yeah. Uh, just traveling around. I saw it so many times in like, my friends' places. It just like... It's been sold there, and I don't know why. It's like why, <laughs> but I, I, I know so many. Was it like, legitimate Russian or is legitimate? I don't know what 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 was legitimate in two thousands. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and that's what I'm asking. I mean, my first. I, I'm happy, and I'm and I'm very proud to say that my first uh, foray into into 3D was with 3D Studio Four. It was before Max. Came oh, out. mine was seven. Yeah, but that's Max, right? That's for Windows. Yes. Mine yes. was the what was before Windows was a thing. It was like the the MS DOS version. Uh, oh the wow! I didn't I didn't even know it was a thing. Oh yeah, it's like uh, it's and it it yeah I can I can talk about it for hours because you know I, I it was so limited, but at the same time there was something so raw and inspiring about what it was you know doing or what I could do with my computer at the time. Um, Wait, how did you get yours? Why did you get this 3D, 3D, 3D Max 4, I guess? I'll tell you what. Did you ever hear of the uh, Jewish-Russian immigration to Israel during the early 90s? <laughs> I mean, I've been in Israel and half Israel speaks Russian. <laughs> exactly. So that the reason for that is because there's a huge, I think after probably after the collapse of the uh, USSR, right, the European yeah. uh, the, uh, Soviet Union, um a lot of Isra a lot of Jewish uh a lot of Jews came from Russia to Israel at once like it was like a mm -hmm. big 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 uh immigration like hundreds of thousands of of immigrants a year at that time and I was in grade school I think I was like fifth grade or sixth grade or something like that and uh, uh -huh. and my, my class started uh, receiving new new students you know my age kids uh you know, blue eye, blo uh, blue eyes, blonde kids uh, who didn't speak, uh, who didn't speak our language, who spoke Russian and stuff. And I got, I became friends with one of them. He's actually still a good friend of mine, uh, my best friend, perhaps. And uh, and his dad was like, I think his dad used to be uh, a nuclear scientist or something like that. Uh, like a lot of sure why not yeah sounds, like like a lot right, of yes. <laughs> like a lot of <laughs> a lot of people came from russia with, with very conspicuous uh professions you know like ah, i'm a nuclear yeah engineer, i know stuff like that uh and mm -hmm. and many of them were when they came to israel they were kind of trying to reinvent themselves you know because they 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 realized they're coming into a brand new uh market no. where, where their you know their skills might not have been or you know like uh, you know, here's an example, a uh, submarine designer or a submarine engineer, you know, like, I mean, mm -hmm. Israel has submarines, but it doesn't make submarines. So there's no like real yeah. use for submarine engineers, except for maybe, you know, whoever, just a few. Um, yeah. So 
one of his things was he had uh, he had some interest in 3D graphics and he had a copy, I guess, a non, uh, non-official copy, not a real copy, but a, a copy nevertheless of, of 3D 4, which by the way, wasn't even on CD-ROMs at that time. It was like on, I remember getting like 14 floppy disks you know, wow. it, it was like, wow. um, and having to like insert one after another and hope that none of them had like any issues with like scratches or anything like that. And, you know, and unpack them and pack them back into like, uh, you know, it was like compressed files inside compressed files inside compressed files, like keep unpacking and on. Unca- and if, if everything went okay, then I was lucky and I was able to like, you know, <laughs> install the software make a cube yeah <laughs> end up with making a 3d cube but you know those were the days i mean i was luckily i was i was young i was not like I, I didn't you know i didn't have any financial responsibilities i didn't have to you know be somewhere at a certain time to you know to except for school but um, yeah and back then it felt like magic it felt like you know I feel like right now any new technology comes out and it feels normal. It's like, oh, sure, why not? It's just we already have so much. Why not this one? Yeah. But I remember back there actually working and seeing th- things in 3D. It felt almost surreal. <laughs> yeah, and it was such a fun period of time where you kind of – I grew up as the technology grew up, so I was seeing, you know – Every, every time a new game came out using, you know, kind of on, on the heels of like a, a, techn- a technical breakthrough, you could, mm-hmm. you both experienced a new game, which was exciting because it's a new piece of content and whatnot. But at the same time, it was like experiencing also the, the technical breakthroughs and seeing how the colors, you know, uh, became more vivid, you know, going from 16 colors in like the old you know pcs to 256 colors to vga to super vga you know the resolutions came you know became bigger but it was still you know i was still playing with like games that you could see like the big pixels like you know and and how and yeah i i I felt like we grew up in different countries but you know through technologies we had pretty much same childhood <laughs> yeah no and it's, it's, it's funny, funny because it's... i i also remember like actually funny that we mentioned jurassic park as a kid i remember obviously seeing jurassic park in the in the theater and stuff but there was one time i watched jurassic park at my friend at my russian friend's house and <laughs> the same uh, russian friend the same russian friend yeah or actually no it was a different russian friend actually a bit earlier oh, wow <laughs> that was that was earlier think about it because jurassic park came out in what like 94 or something and I think I, I, I got actually, into, yeah, I think that it was 94, you know? And my Russian friend, uh, and, and my Russian, and, and my, got my foray into 93. 3D. 93. Okay. My Russian, yes. my, my, my foray, I, I keep saying like Russian friend. It just it got stuck <laughs> in my head. But my foray into 3D <laughs> was a bit later. It was like 97 or 98 or something like that. But, um, mm. uh, but yeah, I remember just watching, them watching Jurassic Park with uh, Russian dubbing, which is kind of funny because uh, all the voices were dubbed by the same guy, so it doesn't it wouldn't didn't matter who spoke if it was like you know 
if it was the, the little kid or the girl or you know <laughs> I know uh, I still remember those Sam Neill that's or, how I <laughs> that's how I watched all the Hollywood movies back then just with the voiceover of that guy <laughs> oh man that really distracted me that was like I love this film and I'll watch it but I'll try to avoid you know <laughs> Hey, it's okay. After like 30 movies, you're really getting used to it. You're like, oh, it's like, you know, very familiar. And now, and then you watch a regular movie with regular voices. You're like, that feels wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I know I kind of feel the same with like subtitles. Cause that's how in Israel we would watch subtitles for Americans watching a film with subtitles. Americans keep complaining like why subtitles, you know, it's like, it takes your, your, your focus off the screen. And I'm like, yeah, but uh, I'm so used to subtitles. I'm almost distracted when there's no subtitles because I'm like, where, where? Yeah, and I feel like yeah, I never thought about it watching all those dub movies, but it actually, I mean, it takes away so much in, uh, from the actual performance. And when you watch stuff with subtitles, you get the out-of-box version of the movie. Because, right. like, everything still, when I go home, everything on TV is dubbed. Obviously, it's a good quality dubs, but... Right. Still, it's really weird to see a movie here and then go back home and see a dub version of it, and it's just not the same. I'm like, I know this actress voice, and her natural voice is much better than this dub actress's voice. It just, you know, I, I I'm I'm for a subti- subtitle version too. My my uh, my only take on dubs, uh, or my, my most recent take on dubs, is when I heard my own film, the feature that I directed, dubbed into Spanish, and I actually was like, because I don't know Spanish and because I can't judge, you know, the quality of the dubbing and the performances, I actually felt like mm-hmm. I could have enjoyed the film even better that way, because well, it's also m- makes it feel like it's you know probably I feel. Well, now I can say when you make your own movie, yeah, it's it's still it's still your movie, and probably I'm just speculating because I don't know if you see a dubbed version of your own movie, you kind of uh, detach yourself from it, and it makes it more real. Right, I think so. I think that's part of it, but also not understanding what they're saying and not being able to judge. Because my film, one of my one of my uh, regrets or not regrets but but what if the reality is making the film the way i did it it was very kind of fast production i didn't have time to rehearse i didn't have time to really work with the actors on 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 fine you know finessing their performances and things like that so so there's a lot of cringe moments for me when i watch the film where i'm like ah you know like i i could have shaved this dialogue a bit better i could have you know that the actors are great but a lot of times it was like you know some lines of dialogues were like too much, you know, could have, could have trimmed them down and make him a bit less, you know, uh, self-explanatory and certain things like that, which if I had more time and more, you know, uh, yeah, both in, both in the writing yeah. and in the post-production, I, I, and, and, or, and on set, I would probably be able to get, get them to, to work a little bit better. So, are you talking about the earthquake? Yeah, I'm talking. Yeah, exactly. I'm talking about not about face swap necessarily. Face swap. I'm, I'm a lot happier with face swap. Yeah, I, I, I felt like face swap performances were very good. Thanks. Well, we did. I think they were good, and also we worked a lot. Like we, we actually shot much more than we used for face swap. Uh, not more scenes. We didn't mm-hmm. cut any scenes, but we we shortened some of the scenes. We we simplified uh, the interactions. 
um, which mm-hmm. I which we knew we were gonna do. We kind of like we went in and we shot it a certain way. Uh, but that's there's a yeah, just give yourself some space. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I I I can talk about it for hours just because I feel like <laughs> it's not always the, a good thing to give yourself some space. I mean, it, it made our editing process a lot harder because uh, we had to then also kind of rewrite the film in editing, but also a lot of the shots and angles had started suddenly like, you know, didn't really connect very well because of continuity issues and things like that. But yeah. I feel like we solved it. Like nobody noticed it. It was just hard. Yeah. I, I, f- I felt like it was pretty natural. Uh, but um, yeah, but then, you know, what my feature, which did have some issues or at least I, I keep seeing all the, you know, little kind of hiccups and things like that. It's, watching it dubbed into a different language really kind of it's like putting a, a, a layer of, of butter on top of everything. So it's like, because I don't understand what they're saying, but they sound very, especially, you know, in Spanish, it sounds very like yeah. uh, emotional and very, very big. And I'm like, huh, you know, that's <laughs> because I don't have the sensibility because I don't know what they're saying. I mean, I know what they're saying because I know what the film says, but I mean, I, I don't understand mm-hmm. the, the the intonation and, and the mannerism stuff, it sounds, you know, like I could forgive it better, you know, like I, it's more forgiving to me. Yeah. Uh, but that's, that's just the anecdote on, on, uh, on what, and my experience with dubbing of my own work. Um, but I actually, it's a nice segue because I wanted to go back and talk about your short film. You were saying, uh, you were just starting to say like what, what it was about. And, and you also mentioned, Oh, you did the visual effects. I'm curious to know what. Uh... Yeah, so uh, it's uh, uh, the. So I've been telling you from the beginning. So uh, me and my boyfriend we decided to, sh- to sh- shoot a short, and uh, uh, our friend Ryan actually first my boyfriend's friend Ryan, and now my friend Ryan. Uh, he's a, a playwright in New York, and he wrote this short play called something like Loneliness. Um, about like 10 years ago and it I don't remember what award it got but it got an award uh, and it's a really good play about a world where you know memories could be uh, trapped in Tupperwares pretty much you can take whatever memory or whatever experience and put it in Tupperware hmm. and keep it That's fine. and uh, two neighbors uh, who uh leave like share pretty much walls and uh, hear all the sounds um so one neighbor comes to another and start bargaining so they bargain in their memories but uh it also um opens up a story of their previous relationship and uh one character pretty much helps another character to get rid of some memories which other character couldn't get rid of for a long, long time. Uh, so it's, mm. you know, was a cool experience. All the Tupperwares were lit inside. So when Tupperware is opening, there are particles coming out, some cool transitions when actually, like, showing the memories. Uh, so would so the Tupperware, fun. some of it, was it a combination of, uh, of live action as well or was it all CG Tupperware? No, it's uh, no. Uh, the Tupperwares were production design. Okay. So uh, 
in terms of CG, there were just particles. When Tupperware actually were open, and you kind of see the memories coming out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, we try to shoot everything as natural as possible and just um, as you know, you know how it works. The better actual footage is, the less things you need to do right. in post. Yeah. So, and I think nothing beats natural—not natural light, but like light, physical light. Yeah. Um, which so uh, so you had the actual light inside awesome. the Tupperware and you got the actual light. Yeah. Answers. Yeah, that's that's great. That's what I would have done. I think. Yeah, and so it was cool. I uh, had to do a bunch of tests, do things I usually do not do before, didn't do before. Also, like you know, doing everything starting like from a look books to our DP and. Uh, uh, shot lists and storyboards. <laughs> I like so. I'm not actual like I can I can draw and paint and stuff, but I'm not a storyboard artist. And you know, storyboards. There's like a million of the frames. Yeah. And uh, every each of them has like in our case two people. Uh, so I'm like, but we need it. We need a storyboard. Right. <laughs> so you know, the software does 3D. Yeah. Of course, the, it's yeah, like so for posing I, and for you know these characters. Yes. <laughs> so you use Dust so for storyboard. <laughs> yeah, I use Dust for storyboards. I mm -hmm. felt like it was a, it was a great experience. I loved it. I felt so good about myself doing it. That makes a lot of uh, sense. You know, I, so. my my one of my short for Europa, what I use is I just use the biped skeleton in 3D Studio Max for storyboards. So yeah, people yeah. were like, why are the characters looking like skeletons? I'm like, don't ask, don't, it doesn't matter. You know, this is a head, this is, a, but they look like skeletons. It's like people were really freaked out by it. Uh, but now I, I've uh, done, I've done things with like, you know, just, I didn't even think about that. It's a good, a good idea. Yeah. I, uh, but I actually also traced it in Photoshop. So it looks like I drew it. It looks like a, I legitimately can draw storyboards <laughs> which is not true and also i'm not going to do it for any project but my personal project right. not for money for sure <laughs> but uh, was cool and uh, then you know also working on the title design final titles posters all the stuff was really cool how was it to work with and your uh, with your boyfriend i mean how did you guys uh uh, did you have to like split the responsibilities or was it kind of like hand in hand? He was telling you what he wants to see and you would like render that or. Uh, well, it was interesting in terms of like he, so he directed it with his brother. Uh, like we originally started together, but then uh, his brother is director too. And uh, um, he invited him on a project. Uh, so, um, uh, he was, my boyfriend was handling, but we didn't have a proper producer, producer who actually like organizes stuff. Uh, and, uh, he had to pretty much combine so many things. He also, uh, uh, rewrote the screenplay. So he actually took an, a play and rewrote it with this in, into a screenplay with Ryan. Right. Uh, so he had to be a writer. And then uh, also like we were lucky that our landlord um, allowed us to shoot in our apartment, but 
in one of the days we actually needed to go to the cave it's like in one of the memories oh. uh, the characters moving into this magical world right and there is this uh cave in uh el matador beach el matador beach and, uh, yes where is it's, that uh, next to malibu oh, okay yeah um and there is a cave legit like cave with the notion and stuff and it has one little door and depending on tide the door closes and everyone inside like you know being trapped and just drowning in <laughs> <laughs> so uh he had to uh look into uh uh time when tide is low enough and we have enough time to shoot and get out wow that's a- yes and we and we have this like very expensive equipment we shot on Gemini, we had k35s uh and it just was crazy and it was it was crazy day we all we felt like we were about to die we got out on time but <laughs> it was awesome and crazy experience how many days did you shoot it for uh we shot it uh three days two days in apartment and one day in the cave uh, and, uh, you know, it was pretty, I, I felt like we did a good job with all the, uh, like storyboards and, uh, uh, the, just planning out the different cameras and all the takes. So I felt that we were pretty organized except the final cave day, but the, you know, edit made its magic. So you mean that the final cave day was just a bit scattered because of the hectic, hectic yeah. because of the limitation of time yes because we had just like about three four hours to shoot there and uh, that's great i mean when you when you intense. when you plan properly and you go in and you shoot kind of what you planned it's it's always there's something satisfying by finishing the day and ha- having the co- the the confidence that you have everything the feeling you about it and, yeah yeah yeah. It's definitely a good way to do it. Just lots of work. I don't know how people do it with features, though. Like, with short, it was so much time to plan it out correctly. How much and, time did you plan it out for before you shot? Well, it took us about six month, months to get everything ready to shoot. And it's just wow. a short, you know. But also, six months after work, we both have full-time jobs. And, you know, right. it's not like... So yeah, I now a free time. I prepped six my film for about a month and a half. My feature. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. And wow, my my this short. Is really impressive. Yeah. Well, I it's impressive and stupid at the same time. I mean, it's not like I had a choice though. That was just the reality mm-hmm. of like the budget. You know, they they called me very late too to to be to be on board. It wasn't like a situation where I I decided I'm going to make a film and started working on it and decided I'm going to shoot it in a month and a half. That would have been really dumb, <laughs> but uh-huh. uh, that was not the situation in my feature. But, you know, I mean, we did storyboard some scenes. Um, mm-hmm. I had a, a storyboard artist, uh, Ivan, who's still, still a great friend of mine who like worked, you know, day and night for about two weeks to like, we obviously just picked, you know, key sequences that we knew we wanted to, you know, it, they're going to be very hard to shoot and hard to, to plan out without a storyboard. So yeah. like things like 
action sequences where there's a lot of like like different things like a hand grabbing a bottle or you know like uh <clears throat> you know the car is tilting on the edge of the of the of the bridge that collapsed and i need a shot of and and obviously i would never be able to get a car to be to to do that in that way so i had to kind of break the scene down into pieces and shoot things separately like you know there's one one sequence is going to be with the kids behind the car and another sequence is going to be with another kid like hanging from the front of the car and then another sequence is just their feet and, and the wheel of the car kind of going up and down and another sequence is just the hands and like something on the top of the car because I don't know if you've seen the film, there's like this just – we always wanted to have some multiple actions happening at the same time and, and we had this scene with the car that like – So ambitious. <laughs> I know it was ridiculous when I read the script and I knew I the script was kind of written also in you know within a two or three weeks uh, but it was written by some very talented screenwriters who are uh, who've done that many many years and they're very you know uh, seasoned awesome. <clears throat> so they came up with awesome ideas and awesome like set pieces and action sequences and stuff that I was like guys like I need to The amount of time I have is probably not even enough for one for a single one of these sequences and I have like yeah. nine of them or something like that to do uh, and so you know it was a lot of fun to it was a great challenge and I enjoyed the challenge but it was like I knew the challenge was to get it done not to get it done well you know so yeah yeah it was like if I got it done you it's great yeah <laughs> I mean, it's very impressive that you managed to do it in such a short time and just generally like decide to do it from the very beginning, knowing all the challenges. It's impressive. You know, it's one of those situations where maybe a smarter person would have said no <laughs> to the project. No, I feel like that's like then you wouldn't have this experience and then like you know you have a feature it's amazing like every director wants to have a feature yeah it's true no i think i think that's you know i i just don't take credit for making that decision because in my opinion it was like a, a no-brainer choice like you know it's between making a feature and not making a feature <laughs> hell yes. yeah it's like you know sure <laughs> it's like someone says do you want to live or do you want to die um i'll choose life right so it's not a hard choice <laughs> to make for most people and i think that my decision wasn't like It was, you know, I would say brave. I could say that it's brave because, you know, I said, yeah, I could do it. And someone else might have been able to, they might have said something like, oh, I, I don't think I'm ready or, you know, I don't. But, you know, it's like, but when people offer you the, the opportunity, you're like, I guess, yeah. you know, I guess we'll find out. It's like you going to <laughs> Los Angeles, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we'll figure out on a way. Exactly, right? We'll, we'll. Start, we'll jump into the water and learn how to swim kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, feel you. So, I mean, I, I'm excited about the short. I'm, I can't wait to see it. And you also produced it, right? So you actually had to, like, put all the pieces together? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, well, everything what Seth did, I had to be part of it. So definitely produced it. Uh, but it's, like... My personal like biggest achievement, I feel like, is uh, actually the all the production design in VFX. That's because you know, uh, guys, Seth and Ben, 
the directors that are like producer is this like you, you know there's a director writer producers that's what's important like no but 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 i want to be an art director right. like you want <laughs> yeah. you got the biggest credit that everybody wants but you actually want the right the, the hard credit yeah, but I, I got I got all the credits I wanted. So and uh, obviously, we all worked really hard on it. We had some amazing, amazing people working on it. We had a like smaller team, but I feel like all people who worked on it were just phenomenal and real, real professionals. So we got lucky. And also, wanted to say that Neil colored it for me. Neil, how cool is that? Yeah. So it's awesome. And yeah, and uh, it's just, I never obviously colored anything before. I just went there asking for just advice and maybe help with a couple shots so they maybe can set up the look for like a shot, like for the key shots and I maybe will match the coloring. And they just ended up like, they're like, no, it's okay. We'll just color it for you. Wow. That's so so awesome. They cut. Yes, and uh, I mean, they did such an amazing job with that. If you see before, I mean, before it was really good too. We, uh, I told you, we shot on like K35s. Our DP is very talented, Ben Rehost. He actually works on a, uh, awesome movies. And like, a, he works as a camera uh, operator, but he works like, he worked on Us and I'm Dying up here and stuff oh, like wow. this. Yeah. Uh, but, you uh, mean the Jordan Peele movie, the new one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, for for us, he defeated, um, and uh, he did an amazing, amazing job. So, like all the lighting uh, is very pretty. So, footage, original footage, was really pretty. But then seeing it colored, it actually just makes it so much better. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I mean, my film yeah. also kind of had a. I mean, I I colored it myself, and I'm there's a few places where I'm like, ah, you know, I, I could, I could definitely do another pass on that, uh, for certain places, but for, but definitely some scenes were like night and day before we colored them. I mean, and, and I gotta say yeah, that are, I, are you, are, what? Are you coloring Da Vinci? No, I used after effects or actually, no, I actually okay. colored it in, in premiere, believe it or not. Just very simple. Okay. Okay. You gotta, you gotta realize that I was like never thinking about it as a festival film. I thought of it more as like a web short kind of thing. Uh-huh. That I, I didn't think about it as a, like a, a serious piece that people would like, you know, sit down and watch in a theater. <laughs> I never expected it to be like screened. I just like thought about it as like, oh, it's gonna be shared online on Facebook and stuff like that. So. And then life was like, okay, guys, we need five hundred people in the movie theater, right. please. Twice, <laughs> and actually many more times. Hopefully, we'll see. But I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, but the, the 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 reality is like, I. It's funny. It's like how my brain works is different. It's like I I didn't even think about how color how much color is going to enhance the film, and it was like, it was really like magic. Like people would watch people who watched uh, the uncolored version had a different reaction to when they saw the final colored version. Like, it's like they watched it and like, wow, I really liked what you did to this film. Like all I did was like make, you know, make it a bit brighter and get, add some contrast and like, yeah, yeah. But it's now it feels more like a real film and like, 
but it's just the color. I mean, it's not, <laughs> I didn't change that color, much. Color is so much. Yeah, I know. so much. Well, in our case, it's also united the whole thing together because we use like different lenses and every lens had sort of different look. Yeah. Plus um, different environments too. And it just felt very patchy mm. before color. And after color, you can just see it all together. It was nice. Yeah. No, that's, uh, mm -hmm. that's kind of... I think that's one of the things that you as a graphic designer has a lot more sensitivity to than me, for instance. Like I, I'm... Uh, I'm not very color oriented. I'm more like shapes and, and that's kind of also what me and my, uh, my girlfriend who's, uh, also co-directed the face walk with me. And that's mm -hmm. kind of where she comes in and completes me in, in a way or like, you know, she, she supplements She's, my, she has more artistic background. Um, I think it's more of her. Yes. I mean, she, but her artistic background is more from, uh, uh, from the acting world, like more performance oriented oh. and, uh, and she's she's more of an actor writer from her background uh, than a than a graphics mm -hmm. artist. Um, mm -hmm. But her attention, awesome. but her attention to detail, like to graphical detail, you know, I, we would both look at the same frame, and she would have like a thousand notes on, like you know, move this thing to the right, and the light here is too strong, and this is like this, and I'm like, I'm happy, but okay, you know, like let's. <laughs> But you're right, you know, it does make it better. So I'm, I'm a big, I'm, yeah. I'm bigger on like, let's put the camera here and, you know, get these like this angle here and like turn the camera to the right or, or do whatever camera movement that I feel like, you know, would express the story. And she's all about uh, the detail, the fine, the, the colors, the, the makeup, the hair, all, all the things that, you know, that I am just blind, you know, about, you know, completely don't see that. <laughs> Uh, so all uh, so together you guys create this yeah absolutely complete director who sees everything hopefully yeah we we're yeah there's no there's nothing uncovered between the two of us um awesome yeah but i think uh mm -hmm. I, I wanted to kind of i'm curious because we haven't uh so you know just to kind of recap you and i worked on uh, a few projects together at a company um yeah i think it's a funny anecdote uh, how we met. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, it's like, you know, I feel like lots of people meet this way. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's funny because from my end, my, the story of how we met always comes after people ask me, how did I get into all those big projects that I'm working on? <laughs> right. Yeah. For, for you, it's like, Oh, I'm just this guy, you know, you know, who, who you know and who's an artist who you know ends up ended up working at the same company or working for the same company as you for a while and stuff and uh, we have some uh, but for me it's like oh I owe so much to this you know to to, Dude, to this uh, <laughs> it was it was amazing in a way that like uh, the whole key art world so at least at the moment was separated from motion but it has so much need for motion because you know right. there's so much motion posters and uh, you, when you talk about Netflix, all the moving picture, all the uh, screen savers, yeah, the green screen savers on their everything, platform. Yeah, everything needs motion, so I feel like that's like the key art evolved in that direction. So you just it just happened to be in the right time and the right place. 
Yeah. So the people, so the people who are listening to this, this so, so it doesn't just feel like a conversation that they're left out of. We met on on OkCupid essentially. On OkCupid, and yeah. completely yeah. randomly, completely randomly, we're not. We we didn't like put any like art people filters on our search. I think I don't think that they they even exist. I, I I don't think I don't think you really need to in terms of LA. LA is so uh, art oriented. Artistic. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, did you, did you ever have other, so we, we met, we went on a few dates and then we decided that it didn't like, uh, that we, we were better friends and potential collaborators. Um, yeah. And then a couple of weeks I'm like, after this I was like, by the way, <laughs> we need a motion designer. Can you do it? Yeah. And that was like how I kind of, that was a big, big break for, for my company for Outpost. VFX for like, you know, start working on some real high end projects. It was a great opportunity for me to start like tapping into the talent pool that I've been always hoping to use back in Israel. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the first project. Yeah, I remember. What? Was it, was it Marcel first project? Yeah. So there was a short kind of test that I did, I think for uh, the ridiculous seven, uh, the ridiculous six or something like that for Dem- Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, and then Marseille came, and Marseille was your key art, right? Your uh, your yeah, key art that yeah. we actually basically made move, and yeah, I was actually surprised because I didn't know at the time that it was you who made that key art that we ended up mm-hmm. like kind of building on and trying to imitate the story around. Yeah, yeah. But well, it turned out beautiful. The whole like water sequence was really cool. I liked it a lot. Yeah. And I remember the moment I saw what you were doing, I was like, oh my God, this is so amazing. <laughs> and now actually doing sort of, not sort of the same thing. I still don't do motion, but I like so exposed to how it's, um, how it's done, the whole technology behind it. And like, I know what, what, what I would use here and what I would use here if I would have to do to use it. Uh, but back then it was like, Oh my God, this is just groundbreaking. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure you'll kind of, you'll still be surprised by how we did, uh, some of that water. It's probably not the same I way bet. I you bet. guys are doing. We, we, we we've since mm-hmm. done more, you know, more traditional water, uh, like, uh, for the magicians, uh, uh, promos. We had some like real kind of mm-hmm. real water, but for the ocean, we, we, if I'm sure if you'll see the setup, you'll be like, what are you guys doing? Here? It's, like, <laughs> it's like animated well, textures, cool. like modular things. It's, it's very different than, you know, than the traditional kind of, or the, the contemporary water solutions that most studios use nowadays. Mm-hmm. We're very like old well, school, very old school. And in, in some of our approaches, we try, we, it looks, it looks interesting in, and fresh but it's actually like you know old tools being done we're being used in a weird kind of unorthodox way um yeah thanks though i I, i'm glad you liked it and i remember i was talking about it when we were working on it but that was like really kind of uh uh, a project that opened the door to a lot more projects and and uh it's awesome i'm very very happy for you i'm like it's it always makes me happy to see someone's success and someone like just moving in the right direction. And it's always, I always had a full-time job. Like I never even been a, like a proper full-time freelancer. Right. So I, you know, always playing this of like just a safe game. And I hope at some point, like I'll 
move to something more, uh, you know, my own. But it, I admire it a lot when people just do their own thing and seeing them succeeding is very inspiring. Yeah. So what do, what do you, uh, what is your kind of, uh, long-term goal or, or short-term goal right now? What do you, where do you see yourself? I remember when we were in, you, you were in a company at some point, you were telling me that you kind of want to move from doing key art to doing more like concepts, artwork and, and things like, uh, being an art director. I mean, yeah. Um, it's, it's still, uh, an interesting question for me. I still, fully don't know i'm actually doing my own full cg little short which really i'm directing oh yeah that's exciting i, I can send it to you too yeah which are you, are you uh, finished are you finished with it or are you still in the works no now i'm like 70 percent done with this oh that we're we gonna have to like, bring you back here to talk about it once it's once you're done <laughs> it's just a little thing it's not a big deal but um it's interesting to just uh, work on something like this, like this from, like you know, starting from the concept and to the point of like, okay, what music do I need here? Finding a sound designer and stuff like this. Uh, and actually, one of the biggest challenges I'm fighting with right now is how to give up certain things like that you can do everything yourself that you have to have help that you have to ask other people for help and that uh, it's okay <laughs> i'm i'm struggling with this a little bit oh i'm sure i think <laughs> I, I remember being in the same situation uh, many times because you know you we i think the two we both and a lot of artists in our in our in a similar situations started out kind of self you know self-taught and uh, mm -hmm. and are used to doing everything from from the ground up and, and being in charge and being in control, especially someone like you who who day in and day out you kind of you create final products from the from the get go in a way you know maybe you start with mm -hmm. with some with some existing artwork or existing not artwork but like resources that you take but like at the end of the day you bring the project to the end and you conceptualize it and, and create it which is not like a lot of people in in this field who are more you know um, specialized and they only take care of, of a part of the, of, of, a, of, a, of the problem so I, I can see how it's hard to let go of that yeah creative yeah but you have to it's if if you are into actually directing in any way one of the biggest challenges is just to let go and let other people to create and uh, just how to uh, it's just lots of things i feel like i need to work on and uh one of them is this particular problem how to just just you know break the shell of i'm just need to do everything myself because i want to because i really do want to do everything myself but it's just impossible uh and uh, trust others and um, just fully trust in terms of like I trust your artistic vision. Please just do the best job possible. And did and also just yeah. And and did so, you did you actually like get to experience that like kind of letting a part go and then seeing it come back and seeing how you react to it? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like it's 
was actually a great experience. Um, but also on another hand, like when you do just a personal project, and in this particular case, I have a bunch of people helping me, you know, just for free. And uh, that's kind of how meal works, just help someone else and then they help someone you else back, helps yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, and it's not like a bargain in any way, but it's just, you know, people are passionate and it's great. Uh, but obviously it's my project, not theirs. So uh, some they would do something, but then uh, like they will burn out. And I already would burn out, but I have to keep going. And like sometimes uh, just to go to the areas and doing things, which I usually do not do. And right. uh, like uh, to pick up some animations here and there, some like editing skills and some, you know, just things I usually wouldn't do, but uh, it's all good and great experience. But honestly, when you ask me about like, what do I want to do in future? It's still, still don't know. I just know that Right now, I feel like I have such a great opportunity to really build up my portfolio and to learn some. I keep learning. I'm like, I do not feel like I, I'm stuck in any way yet. I feel like uh, there's so much more to learn and to do. And uh, I like occasionally would get an offer from some like more like tech company where, you know, a product company where you would go as a designer probably for more money and just to be like in a comfortable position and and maybe at some point i don't know what i'm going to be doing in the future but uh offers like this makes make me realize that i'm not ready yet i'm just like this is there's so much happening right now right here that i have to be here for this you mean in the mill at the mill yeah yeah. Well, I mean, you, you, you. It seems like uh, if you're spending your kind of spare time directing a short, which, you know, kind of reminds me, kind of it. It seems like it's might might have been might be a similar situation to where you were when you were working as a as a as a website designer in Moscow, mm -hmm. and you were spending your spare time kind of doing key art or you know, fan art of Game of Thrones. Um. Maybe what's your short about? Maybe that's going to be your next, you know, suddenly you're going to get a feature deal out of it. And oh, I don't know. <laughs> if history short, repeats short. itself, then. Yeah, but short is such a pain in the butt. <laughs> I don't know how feature will turn out. And it's just, and mean it. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I have enough health <laughs> for feature in this. Well, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. You do, you do it, it's a step at a time. The, the reality of a feature is that, you know, you just, you keep solving problems that they just come at a faster rate, you know, but you, you can still, yeah. you can still tackle them one at a time. And sometimes you have to realize that you won't give all the right answers all the time. You know, it's just, you'll make mistakes and uh, ultimately you'll be in the editing no room and, and fix everything. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> but I also feel like uh, all this, uh, technical knowledge is great, but I'm also trying to read some books on time management and, you know, just like self-improvement right. books, which I'm saying books. I'm really just started. I'm reading like a first, second book. and uh, Which one? Uh, tell I us. Just, uh, share your knowledge. <laughs> yeah. 
you know the ninety nine manage your day. Um, I'm Google it because I don't remember the name by by just heart because yeah. you know it's I, I I read on Kindle and when uh, when you read in Kindle you just do not see the book cover right. all the time like with the paper books uh, it's uh, manage your day to day build your routine find your focus uh, sharpen in your creative mind nice and you, you know I, I really like this book because it's not one person's book it's pretty much a collective advice from uh, very different people. Uh, with a very different um, approaches and views. Sometimes you're like, "What, really? This, this is an advice," but I really like it. Like one of the um, advice I actually trying to use really hard is not to use my phone when I'm waiting on something. Like you know, when you're in the line or when you just waiting on something yeah. we all automatically go and uh look at the phone every time yeah uh, yeah and pretty much this advice was if you're in a line you never know what conversation might happen if you're not looking at your phone and it happened to me already a couple of times when i would just start talking to strangers and it would be natural because you're not doing anything right or sometimes just re-evaluate whatever is happening right now in your life. Like if you think about, uh, we always so busy. We're always doing something nonstop. There is very little time during the day where you're just not doing anything, and your brain is kind of just collecting everything what's happening and trying to like process it. And that's what ha what's happening when you're just waiting without um, actually being on your phone. Mm. So that was an interesting advice. And there are obviously many more others. And uh, uh, I'm just trying to be better and also get a different perspective on life. Because I think all the artistic skills are very important. But um, I feel like I have lots of growth to do in many other fields. That's great. So... Uh Usually what I do when I reach the end of uh, one of those podcasts is I ask, like, what kind of advice? Uh, <laughs> yeah, Here's my advice. Has. But it's it, what would be your advice, I guess, not from a process standpoint, but, like, from – I mean, your story kind of is very inspiring, you know, of, of someone who's who, – who, despite having a day job, spending their free time – you know, honing in on their passion and creating original work, even though yours was fan art, but it's still original kind of uh, interpret interpretative work. And uh, and seeing how that suddenly opens doors to more expansions and, and to kind of expanding into new areas and, you know, physically also moving to new places. So, but that's kind of like, yep. you know, the, besides do what I did, what kind of advice do you think you would may might have, given yourself in the past that you could have used when you moved out here for the first time or something? Uh, I would say if I had a chance to talk to younger me to say, uh, be more daring. Like there are so many limitations which are just in our heads and uh, I'm still fighting with this. So many things my brain tells me that I can do, but that's not true. And I feel like this one of the biggest challenges, and that's something I would tell 
younger me. Great. Well, that's awesome. Uh, and before we finish, uh, Sasha Vinogradova, tell us uh, where people should be uh, finding you online if they want to follow and see your amazing work. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can find uh, me um, on my site. It's Sasha Vinogradova, Vinogradova, uh, com. Um Also, my Instagram, uh, it's Mela Amori. So M E L A A M O R Y. Uh, yeah, I am there. Great. And now I have a, a website for my podcast, which looks really bad. So don't judge me when you, when you look at it, Sasha. <laughs> uh, and I will. I saw it already. It's okay. okay. I think it looks fine. <laughs> and I will uh, definitely put uh, a, a link to your website and to your uh, Instagram account and also put a lot of work uh, uh, I mean put some links to your work as well up there uh, so, awesome, so people can thanks. kind of get, get an impression before they listen to the podcast so thank you so much for your time hey. thank you so much for doing it it's like I, I thought about it like how does he do it just like two hours talking to someone every two weeks <laughs> a lot of work yeah well I mean it's it's a lot of fun actually that was it I hope you guys enjoyed this episode uh, stay tuned in about two weeks I'm gonna release the next episode episode 17 it's gonna be a reverse episode where our good friend and talented filmmaker Casey Cooper Johnson is going to interview myself and my wife and not about our new short film face swap hope you guys tune in and until then stay creative and inspired goodbye you